Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and celebrate Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Stoker. That makes me your other co-host, Chris LaSalle. Chris? Dave, how's it going? It's going. Excellent. It's we Wednesday. Are joined, yes, it is. It's Wednesday, and we are joined once again by Scott Corelli from Dueling Genre. Hi, guys. Hello, Scott. Hey, Scott. Hi. I am I am, I am Corelli, back. son of Larry. <laughs> <laughs> That's how oh, we should have been doing that all season. Yeah, yeah. I'm your co-host this Chris out of Mark. Opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I'm not gonna say. Um, <laughs> uh, this is minute ninety-two, and uh, this minute starts with Talar saying, "Who is the keeper of the Katra?" And this ends with McCoy complaining, "Hell of a time to ask." <laughs> I love that you say he's complaining. <laughs> it just makes me so when when DeForest Kelly says it and he says hell of a time to ask I don't know why but I in my mind when I think of this line I think of uh, Carl Urban <laughs> I don't know why just the new from, the new I mean McCoy. it could be it could be um, a line I don't know like um, Zach uh, on my, my co-host on Spider-Man Minute he talks about how uh, he did he does a like, voice is a character in um uh, our our show Geek by Night, and he uh, to get into character, he quotes a line from J. Jonah Jameson in Spider Man, where he's like, "I'm a little nauseous, yeah." And he qu- he quotes that line before he says any line as the character that he plays in in uh, in Geek by Night, because it it like kind of like clicks him into character. Maybe this is uh, maybe this is the line for Carl Urban. Maybe this is the this is like what he what he says to himself. Hell of yeah. a time to ask, and, that, and then he's like, "Oh, there he is. There's Bones." And then he plays a scene. I like that. <laughs> I do love Carl Ur- Urban's McCoy. I think he just he, mm-hmm. every line. I think he delivered in all those in all those reboot films. I'm just like, oh, it gets so McCoy. I love yeah. it. Absolutely. All right, keeper of the Katra. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like something out of Ghostbusters. <laughs> I this looks like Ghostbusters. This looks like the third act of Ghostbusters. Um, like on the roof. Oh, jeez, you're yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which one's Gozer? I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, Scott, you were talking about uh, on Monday. You know, um, DeForest Kelly all's all's reactions in the background. Yeah. Um, as as they were asking for the refusion and everything. This minute for me, I had the notes was. I mean, he. <laughs> And now you now you see him full on like uh, I don't know if I want to do this you know he, he's even though he's he's speaking to Talar he's still making all these faces like uh, yeah. I don't know I'm pretty nervous about what's about to happen oh yeah yeah am I doing this right I love that he I think he's I I I love that he doesn't give his middle name he just gives the initial um it's like uh it, it, instead of I don't know it, I I like how. I guess I, I do. There's part of me that really likes McCoy's view of the logic of Vulcans versus like what Vulcans are actually like, because 
you know, he's just like, oh yeah, I'll say my name, you know, McCoy comma Leonard H. <laughs> like it's a, like it's on a, on a spreadsheet somewhere or something. Uh, and that's how he's like, oh yeah, that's how I'll talk to the Vulcans. That's what they like. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause he sounds like he's giving his rank and serial number and stuff. Right. Right. That, like yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I like that. They like it. Yeah, hmm. I never thought about that. He's doing it for their benefit. Like this is what they he thinks is what they want to hear. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're totally right. Yeah. So yeah, this high, the high priestess's uh, language is um, a little flowery for my taste. The 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 and the arts and the thyself. <laughs> uh, yeah, thyself. It's it's yeah. Uh, it's a little flowery, and and I have in my notes. Is this logical? It's using language like that logical. Uh, I had my, my, my note was, was the and thou question mark. Yeah. I had the yeah. same thing like, Oh yeah, I'd never noticed that before. She's very, um, yeah. Again, medieval in a way. Right. Right. Yeah. You, you wonder how much, like, you know, when Harv Bennett was, you know, putting together the screenplay and, and, and did he, did he do this deliberately or did he do this as like a placeholder? He's like, well, I know that I want them to be, you know, if you know, for, sound formal and be a ritual. And it was this just mm. the language he kind of, you know, fell to like, okay, the and thou, that, that sounds good. And it never really stopped to think about, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. These are Vulcans. Yeah. Uh, we got to remember they're like, you know, 100, 200 years old. So. <laughs> are they around during Shakespeare's time? Is that what you're saying? Sure. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Well, the Klingons were. Well, you know, <laughs> if you listen, you read those in the original Klingon, and it just makes all, all right, sorts right. of sense. Not <laughs> uh, for, not for. There's a shot in here. Um, for a moment, it's a, just a shot Talar and Spock on the table, and and there's a, I guess, a priest behind him with. Uh, I thought for a moment I was seeing like an IV bag. I know. Yeah, that's what I I have that in my notes too. It looks like an IV bag. Okay. Really? It's like Where? The Fifteen second mark. Um, yeah. It's it's not. It's just that he must be holding a staff, like a you know. Right. Yeah, but it looks like an IV bag because it's 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 got all the metal, and then it's like it looks like it's holding a plastic bag, like in the middle of it. Yeah. Oh, wow. oh totally. And I, and I think it that. it adds. It adds credence to it in your in your like visual brain as a as a IV bag because it's he's standing next to a body, um, yeah, on, <laughs> you know? on a table, yeah, on a table, yeah. So it just it looks like an IV bag. Um, maybe it's her IV bag. Maybe she's more <laughs> she's older than we thought. Um, <laughs> it's on wheels. Get the little wheels on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I I I also uh, speaking of the body on the table. Um, this uh, this Spock dummy is uh, <laughs> hilarious. Um, you mean that's not really Leonard Nimoy laying there? I I just I love the idea that Leonard Nimoy was like I don't I build a dummy. I'm not I'm not going to lay down on the table between shots. I'm just not going to do it. Just put a dummy there. Because uh, I mean that dummy costs money. I mean probably not much money by the looks of it, but it still costs. <laughs> Do you think it's it still the costs same, money? You think it's the Chekhov dummy from uh, Wrath of Khan? <laughs> they just reused, pulled they it out re- of storage. Just, yeah, the, hey, we it a new haircut. Yeah, we got that Chekhov dummy. Let's use that. Yeah, could be. We'll give it a bad Vulcan haircut. <laughs> 
you wonder, you know, why use a dummy though when they could have they had four other Spocks to choose from, right? The other actors that played <laughs> Spock throughout the film, and they could have used the last. Well, guy, that would, right? yeah, yeah, that would, uh, yeah. I just don't, I just don't understand. He was literally standing there. He's standing right there. The real. It's not like he wasn't available that day. He's directing the movie. He's standing right there. <laughs> he could have just jumped on the table, right? Yeah, just go jump on the table and then like direct. Uh, jump, jump on the table, like you know, like I don't, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> you only see him for like maybe five seconds total time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He could have done that. Yeah, that's silly. So yeah, so we get this whole uh, uh, speech or warning from from Talar. Um, mm. But since you're human, we can't expect you to fully understand what Sarek has requested. So she's a little mm. bit of, you know, talking down to him. You're moron. Yeah, another another race that thinks little of the humans. I mean, we already know what the Klingons think of the humans. And now we clearly get that the Vulcans don't think very much of the humans either. Yeah, it's a little bit of a dig. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Well... I, I don't I, again. I don't think it is a dig. I because they're logical. So I think we perceive it as a dig. <laughs> yeah, but I human. think they're just. I think they're just stating a fact or what they perceive <laughs> to be a fact. Like, I don't think they're. I don't think they're. They're making a dig. They're just. They're just saying like, look, you know, you are a lesser being, <laughs> and you're not going to understand this. So let me let me explain <laughs> what exactly is going to happen. Uh, I don't know that that checks out to me. Um, so to quote our favorite Jedi master, it's from a certain point of view. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess. It, uh, I mean, that's, uh, it's, it's that thing, right? Where like, um, you know, I think we as humans, we're used to interacting with humans. And when humans do this kind of thing, it's, uh, I mean, they're, 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 you know, they're being jerks. They're, uh, it's like those, those people who are just like, you know, Oh, I'm not, I'm not a jerk. I'm just honest. Yeah. It's like, well, no, real. no, you're I'm not. You're, you're yeah. Yeah. I'm just being real. Um, but in this, in this particular case, like I, I actually genuinely believe that that's what she thinks she's doing because that's, that would be the logical thing. It's like, logically, well, you don't understand what you're getting into. So logically, I should tell you so that you have all the facts so that you can make your decision logically. <laughs> but she has to know that we aren't going to make our decisions logically. We aren't like Vulcans and yeah, we're going to make them. She can. We're going to make. Uh, yeah. She can, I, she can wish. She can she can she can lay it out like maybe she maybe she maybe she's hoping for the betterment of mankind. Um, <laughs> you know, I should at least she should at least give give us the opportunity to be logical. Right. Um, even if we're yeah. even if we're not going to be. I don't know. I mean, yeah, she warns him and all, but then she gives him she 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 drops the hammer hard. She's like, yeah, you now have to make the choice like the weight of all of this. All of us being here rests on your shoulders, my man. But so. again, again, she doesn't see it as an emotional thing. So like the fact that McCoy is like hell of a time to ask, that's – he's having an emotional response. She's well, not you, viewing it that way. 
She's, well, you can clearly see it on his face the entire time she's talking. It's yeah, like but, he, you can see the sweat coming down the sides of his face. Yeah. Licking his lips and like, oh, my God, what have I gotten into? Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But he's he's a human. So he's viewing this as uh, uh, emotional. So she's not – I don't think she's working him into a corner because if this was a Vulcan – they would say yay or nay based entirely on logic, not emotion. So that's how she's that's how she's coming at the request for a decision. It's just like, yeah, no, if you were a Vulcan, a Vulcan wouldn't care. They would just be like, uh, you know, I don't care that everyone is watching me. This it's illogical to do this, so I'm not going to. And all of the Vulcans were like, Yeah, that makes sense. That's logical. What, yeah, what, what the, I was just no. saying, I was thinking the same thing. What, what if he said no? Yeah, Talar would be like, so. okay, and then Sarah could be like, uh, <laughs> please. <laughs> I mean, this is really you know, Sarah, who's is the one who wants this. Um, but yeah, what is plan? What is plan B if you don't do Falterpan? It, you know, we get into this really weird area that we've talked about, you know, throughout the season about okay, Spock. <laughs> For you know, Spock was we don't we still don't really know chronologically how how long Spock has been alive again, right? Since he since his torpedo landed on Genesis and to to now, you know, has it been a matter of mm. days or weeks? How long did it take him to age up to you know, I guess back to where he was? Um, but he hasn't he has he's you know he's an empty shell, right? He has his only life experience has been since he woke up in the torpedo till now. Um, so if if plan B, if they don't do Falter Pan, does Spock now just get to, you know, live his life from this moment on? And he has to kind of relearn everything as, yeah. a, as a child. You know, it's it's it gets too big too fast. That's why I kind of jo- I kind of joked about that on Monday where she was asking the question. She's like, what do you want? And I, I, I made the joke of like, well, does she want, you know, what are your choices? Live or die? Like if they don't put the Katra in him. Then does he just exist as a, yeah. I don't know, sort of sort of an abomination because he's well, I mean he's you know like a fifty year old man in the you know with the mind of a you know Infant. a one year old yeah. yeah I think that's giving it too much credit I don't think it's- yeah yeah may- maybe I mean he knows he knows nothing mm-hmm. so well, when you say when you you were joking live or die I I I my first vision was like and Talara's like okay and she reaches around behind her and pulls out the ceremonial dagger right and it's like. Goodbye, Spock. You know, <laughs> oh. uh, so it, it just we go on these all these what ifs and like, bah. Um, it, I can't see it going another way. So do you think he's? So do you think McCoy is directing his hell of a time to ask a little bit towards Sarek, <laughs> meaning like you should have told me what was going on here, like what the danger was, man. I'm doing this for you. I, I've always thought he was throwing it to Kirk, you know, because Kirk's the one who, you know, busted him out of jail and got him out here. Um, right. Oh, I think it's I think it's just the Vulcans in general. I think <laughs> it's just like <laughs> I, I think I think McCoy is just uh, I mean, that that's that's sort of his his deal. Right. Is that he's just like vaguely offended by everything. Um, <laughs> and. And I think I think he's just like I mean this is kind of a I mean you've really you've really put me in a spot you know like I don't I don't really have a choice here uh, danger or not I, you know I don't I don't really have a choice here because I'm human and I would be letting all these people down that I care about and and you know 
Spock, who I, I, I also care about, even though I don't like admitting it. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think that it's, it's more of him just commenting on the, um, social faux pas of what this yeah. is. Uh, but, but Vulcans <laughs> don't care about social faux pas because that's illogical. <laughs> Yeah, I was, you know, now you make me, I'm feeling a little sympathetic to McCoy too. In that, you know, could he be in a place where he, you know, where he'd be less uncomfortable, you know, less comfortable, uh, right? The planet Vulcan. I mean, he has such a hard time with Spock, just interacting with Spock day to day. Right. And now he's on a planet full of Vulcans. <laughs> right. He's just surrounded, surrounded by, by them. So Talar mentions like there's all there's there's this whole big thing of danger, and you know there's as much danger to you as there is to Spock. But they were going to take the Katra out of his head anyway. Like that was like the the initial goal was he needed to get to Vulcan because they were going to remove it, put it in the hall of heads and it'd be over. Is is there more danger because you're now putting it into a living host versus just taking the Katra out and storing it in the, you know, the hall of ancient thoughts or whatever? There must, there must be. It must be a completely different process, or you know. Uh, well, no, I think it's because McCoy's human and not Vulcan. It's just because he's human. So no matter, no matter what happens, getting the Katra out, it's extremely risky. I think so. Yeah, getting the Katra out. Uh, I feel like there's a. I feel like there's a joke about a. You know. <laughs> oh, I love that album by this band, but I don't. <laughs> I don't know what band would have that, that <laughs> album title. Getting the contract. Um, okay. Well, what else? We, you know, you guys uh, jumping back a bit. You, you know, talking about you know Vulcans looking down on humans or whatever. You got me thinking. Okay, so we know chronologically that you know uh, human the human race uh, you know got warp capabilities presumably long after Vulcans did because Vulcans were the ones observing us right when we. Severin Cochran did his first warp run. Um, so, f- you know, from a technological standpoint, I think Vulcans can definitely say they, you know, they're, I'm going to say they were superior to humans. But, but, mm-hmm. it, and so that's, just, but what I'm wondering, and this is more of a broader Star Trek thing, is <clears throat> I've always thought, or always got the impression from, from the series and the films and everything that humans and Starfleet were you know the end all be all they had all the you know who's got the most technology who's most advanced whatever i always got the vibe that it's starfleet and and and, and humans in general and it, so check me there first before i go any further do you, do you guys get that same kind of vibe or have you picked up on that or Ooh, nothing <laughs> i mean it 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 <laughs> I mean, it certainly appears that way, but I think it's just because we know the most about them. Okay, fair enough. And and I guess where I was going was, you know, did you know? Did, did I wonder if did humans did humans and Starfleet did technology did 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 it advance beyond beyond Vulcans and beyond the other races? And then, uh, you know, is there animosity between you know Vulcans? Is even though Vulcans are lying with Starfleet, you know, is there animosity there? Like, oh. They think they're so smart and how they've got all this extra, you know, they got all these starships and, um, you know, we've just got our crummy little, you know, Vulcan ships and. um, Well, maybe they never wanted to evolve beyond just what they had. You know, they, they visited other planets. They had their, 
you know, their ships and they had their logic and they just, that's what they did. Like that's, they didn't, they didn't grow beyond that. Whereas we, we, you know, the humans, you know, evolved past that. They created the Federation, the fleet and so on and so forth and exploring the universe. So, it, so as much as Starfleet is, you know, noble and scientific aspirations and all that stuff, they're still, I don't know if I would say they're noble. Do you think they're noble? I think they're, uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I, don't know if, I think they're always yeah, on. A, I think they, they want to be right. <laughs> they want, they want to proceed with best intentions. Um, and obviously, you know, that's why we wouldn't have all these shows and, and movies, you know, if there wasn't, you know, the, where they've mm-hmm. drifted, right. They've run into challenges and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see, you know, a case for, well, Starfleet being, and I'm, I'm making some assumptions here. Being majority human based, you know, it's ego driven, right? We're humans. We're, we're ego driven. Right. So there's, there's, as much as it's saying, you know, you know, Picard saying, oh yes, we love to explore just for the sake of exploring and learning and all that stuff. It's still probably like, yeah, but you know what? I, I got the biggest ship in the fleet, and I've gone the farthest, and I've seen the most planets, and cool for me, right? Where a Vulcan wouldn't say right. that, right? A Vulcan would be like, we're exploring yeah. planets, yeah. and we just want because we want to learn. Right. So is that kind of what you're talking about, Dave, as far as the evolution? Yeah, a little, a little bit. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I think that's what I'm what I'm getting at. Yeah, there's no there's no um, logic in expanding beyond what their desire is. Like, what what are they wanting to do? Well, they wanted to explore. Okay, well, they can do that. So why do they need to keep going? I mean, the reason the Federation keeps going is because of ego like you said like we as humans have this emotional response to our egos and we have pride and so you know we we grow up in you know i look at look at uh scotty right like he goes to engineering school and he learns how to be an engineer and then he learns about all these things and he's like uh, you know all of this stuff is great these engines and things that i i really like but you know what i think we can do better <laughs> And so he invents things that are better because he wants to be known for something and he wants to right. his life to be uh, worth something. And I don't think Vulcans view it that way. And so there's not a generational one-upsmanship with Vulcans. Um, you know, they've reached the point where their culture is what they want it to be. And so they don't need to keep going. There's a lot of a lot of untapped stuff here. I think that you know, and we've talked yeah. about it too. Like, again, I like my Vulcans as they are, logical but mysterious, and and I don't want I don't want right. to see a day in the life of the Vulcan son trying to one up his dad, or you know, and the, like I don't want to see those stories or see that struggle <laughs> because it's just gonna it's gonna take away the mystery. Um, but I. But I want to add, but I do want to. <laughs> like I go on both sides. Like I want to see that. No, I don't. No, I don't ruin it. That's one of the things. Um, and we haven't talked a lot about discovery um, much yet. And um, I like one of the the elements of that show is that you know Michael Burnham, you know, has Vulcan mm-hmm. ties, and we're sort of seeing things through her eyes as a Vulcan. And I, and I find that fascinating and interesting. And I wish they would, they would totally explore that more in like the second season, because I want to see more about like that and where we are not exposed to it. I mean, obviously in this movie, we're seeing a lot of the rituals and things like that, but 
I would love to see things from the perspective of the Vulcans, mm-hmm. much yeah. like you said, Chris. Scott, did you uh, have you did you watch Discovery? Have you seen that? Oh yeah, no, I watched okay. all of it. It was uh, it was great. Yeah. Loved it. Agreed, agreed. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I guess at the time we're recording now, season one is just finished, not too long ago. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, it's interesting, Dave, because you're right. There are some scenes in Discovery where you know we get uh, we see some scenes on on Vulcan with Michael and with Sarek and, yep. um, but again, it's, yeah. uh, not that they were, weren't mysterious, but they were still, it was more of the, a relationship, you know, the, it wasn't day in the life, which is, I don't think I want to see. It was more of just about them and their relationship and just happened to be, t- you know, happened to be on Vulcan. I, I find it so interesting that, you your reasoning for like you you don't want things explained about the Vulcans the the logical race <laughs> it's just like no I want to keep things a mystery well that's that's I think that's part of my yeah I know it, it, but I think that's part of the draw for me it's yeah, they're very logical but there's uh, but there's mystery there and it's 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 I feel, I'm gonna say fascinating too I find it fascinating and um, uh, yeah and I I don't think I would. I don't think I want to. I want to change that. I get I get wary when I start yeah. to see a lot of Vulcan stuff. You know, even in Discovery, I'm like, oh, well, how far are they going to go here? I don't. You know what I mean? Like, like I want to see these interactions, and you know, are we going to get a glimpse of Spock? You know, and that kind of stuff. I but but don't show me too much. <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think you need to see that stuff, like the Spock or you know Savic or any of that kind of stuff, and still, but you can still show. Maybe how some of the rituals became to be, and how how did we get here to mm. you know falter pan and stuff like that or wearing the ridiculous outfits that scott says <laughs> is not logical <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, uh let's see what else, what else <laughs> we got going on here yeah I, I i've i think we hit all my notes for this for this minute i don't know about you guys nope. yeah yeah we <laughs> talked we talked about the ferris bueller dummy so that's <laughs> <laughs> tied to the rope on the door <laughs> yeah um so scott nice. uh on, on monday we asked you you know hey favorite moment of search for spock and you know you shared the the stealing of the enterprise um mm-hmm. i'm afraid to ask this one but do you have a least favorite moment <laughs> search for spock and, um, <laughs> uh i i mean it's it would be oh man that's a good question. Uh, I mean, there's there's like a couple of things that I don't I don't love, but I just sort of accept. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. Um, I I would I I think I think I'd have to say the death of David is probably my least favorite moment. Uh, uh, in what in what way is it that he died or the way he died or? Yeah, well, it's both. It's both. Or the lack of the lack of attention. Yeah, it's to it's it. all of that. Um, it, it's all of that because I don't, I don't like that he died because it makes his character feel pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, they they set it up in the last movie. It was just like, oh, I didn't know I had a son. Yeah, you do. Now he's dead. <laughs> Deal with that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And I don't. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't love that. Uh, so that's probably probably my least favorite moment. Um, you know, because even the stuff that's like kind of cheesy, like the the fight between uh, uh, Kirk and uh, you know Klingon Lloyd, um, <laughs> uh, is 
it's super cheesy, but like in a kind of like charming original series way. And so I kind of like it. See? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, the David thing really sticks in my craw. And I, and I really, I don't like the, um, I understand the, uh, the purpose of like why it needs to be there, but I don't, I don't like the, I don't, I don't like the, the Ponfar stuff. Uh, I understand. I understand mm. that it needed to be there because, like, yeah, no, he's aging, so like, obviously, that's something that was going to have to be dealt with because it's a thing that happens. Uh, so I get it, but it, it, yeah, just if it wasn't there, people would be like, wouldn't he have? <laughs> um, and I, so I know that, but it just, it, it, yeah, it, it always, it's always a part of the movie that makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you and everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um and then and then i don't love this but that's <laughs> we've been talking about that so. i figured that one out um yeah well you you did mention it the other the other question we had for you was was about christopher lloyd um so obviously you got your movies by minutes start with back to the future and you know doc brown mm -hmm. and um so what what are your thoughts on when you see christopher lloyd playing krug do you uh, do you do you buy it? Do you do you buy him as Krug, or are you just seeing you know Doc Brown with makeup on, or you know what what what, what do you? Think I don't. About I don't. I definitely don't see Doc Brown with makeup on, but I I do. Um, I I he is Christopher Lloyd is a. I mean you know he's a character actor. I mean he played you know uh, he played uh, what is it, uh, fin Finster right in. Uh, Uncle uh, oh Fester Fester sure. Uncle Fester in uh, Adam's family, um, yeah. and that's a very yep. different kind of character. And and you know Doc Brown and um, I don't know. I think I think the thing that I have a problem with is that I just don't buy him as mean. <laughs> uh, and and so like even like when he's trying to be mean, it just doesn't. I just don't I, – I have trouble with it because even even Fester who is like totally comfortable with murdering people in Adam's <laughs> family, it's mm. like – it's sort of in a weird lovable way because they're all like you know lovable psychopaths, uh, right. the Adam's family. Um, and uh, so I, I don't I – don't, I don't know. Um, I think I – I don't buy it but it's not because I, I know him as Doc Brown or, or uh, you know any of his other characters. It's, it's more just that like I don't buy – Christopher Lloyd is like mean and mm. <laughs> and uh, angry, and I it just doesn't it doesn't quite play for me. Really, I, I feel like he's pretty mean and nasty in uh, Who Framed Roger that's Rabbit. It. I was thinking of that too. That character was I forget what like, the character. Yeah, name was really that's bad. true. That I, yeah, I, I guess maybe they just like leaned <laughs> into his. Or or maybe even leaned out of his uh, his quirks, and and. You know, and didn't let him because like the whole point of that was just like play this as down as possible so that when we reveal that you're actually a tune, you can go full Christopher Lloyd and it'll be <laughs> it'll be great. <laughs> right? Um, but but I don't I they he didn't really do that because I mean, he hadn't really done a lot of movies at this point. Right. Like he was mostly known for taxi and uh, one flew over the cuckoo's mm. nest. Right. At this yep. point, yep. So I, I don't, I don't think he, I don't think people understood his strengths and weaknesses as an actor yet. I don't even know if he necessarily did. Um, and I think he was still trying to figure it out. Uh, I almost wonder if the way that he plays um, Judge Doom 
is because you know Zemeckis and and he like looked at this movie and was like, I mean, this doesn't work, so we shouldn't do this. Let's figure something else out. Because uh, yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't quite work for me. It's interesting you say you know you're not buying Christopher Lloyd as mean, and I don't know if I would call uh, I don't know if I would call Klingons in general mean, uh, but he really his this performance and the way he played a Klingon really set the mm. mold or the model yeah. for, you know, all the Klingons afterwards, which is kind of cool when you think about it. Cause he could have been, you know, we've talked about, he's, he's a renegade Klingon, right? He's not acting on, um, you know, a- acting on the empire's behalf in this, in this film. Um, but you know, the, his mannerisms that just, you know, sense of honor, all of those kind of things, um, all carry forward. You know, they could have just like, you know, one off him, right? Yeah, that was that was Christopher Lloyd, that was Krug. He was a weird Klingon. We're gonna Klingons will be different going forward, but he kind of set the stage. That's true. That's uh, true. And yeah, I, I almost so. wonder maybe maybe it's less of a Christopher Lloyd thing than that I'm having pro- problems with and more of a Star Trek thing where they were like trying to figure out what the Klingons are. Sure. Um, maybe maybe that's what I'm bumping mm-hmm. up against more than I am his performance. Yeah. It's that it's not fully formed. Like I'm I'm coming to it with all the baggage of all the Klingons that I've ever known and all of the other Star Trek stuff right. I've watched since then. And uh, and if you were to come at it fresh with only the Klingons from the original series in your head, um, maybe it would have been uh, more more of a revelation, I guess. Uh, then I'm giving it credit for. So that's that's entirely possible. Cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Any any final thoughts on this minute? I got nothing. This lady nope. looks like she's got a snitch on her head. Um <laughs> 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 All right. Well, then let's wrap it up. Um, and uh, uh, Scott, you want to share with folks uh, one more time where they can uh, find you online? Yeah, so I'm at I'm at duelinggenre.com. Uh, you can find all my other podcasts. Um, if you want to hear me and uh, my two co-hosts, Nick Jimenez and Cassandra Fredrickson, talk about uh, uh, both of which have been past guests of this show, I, I believe, yeah. right? Um, yeah, uh, I uh, we do we do a Doctor Who podcast, and uh, we talk about the new episodes as they air. But uh, when we're in between seasons, we go back and we look at the old, the, the classic series, and we do um, one story. We do every, we're doing every story from every doctor, one doctor at a time. So I think, uh, you know, we're in the middle of our fifth season of uh, Doctor Who the Long Way Around right now, um, which is what we're calling these sort of like offshoot things. Uh, but uh, we, we do uh yeah we do one story from each doctor so we're doing the fifth story of every doctor right now um and uh, i believe um yesterday i think uh if this is coming out uh tomorrow <laughs> i believe <laughs> pretty soon <laughs> um yeah uh it's it yesterday we 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 had our um we had the macro terror which is a second doc the second doctor's fifth story about uh giant crab uh brainwashing crab monsters um yeah. So, so we, we talk about the classic who series and, uh, we actually write recaps for it. So if you are just a new who fan and you've never dipped your toe into classic who, uh, I've heard that our show is really good for that because of, because we do, we write the recaps, um, that are just these sort of like separate things that we record on their own. 
um, with like some sound effects and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's helpful. Yeah, it's helpful to me. I, I my my Doctor Doctor Who journey started with Tom Baker's at number four, so mm-hmm. I, I've I've barely seen any of one, two, and three. Um, so yeah, so having those recaps and 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 you know hearing you guys talk about it, it's like oh okay so you're filling in blanks for me um so yeah i agree very very helpful nice that's awesome uh yeah so if that's something that you want to check out go check out the doctor's companion uh that is the name of the podcast the long way around is the is the yeah the in between seasons that's what we call that because it's not quite the doctor's companion it's a different thing right. um but uh yeah so check that out and uh it's it's a lot of fun it's really just us having fun with the goofiness of those old Doctor Who stories. <laughs> um, and it's it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, definitely check it out, guys. Um, and yeah, for us, you can find us, uh, why don't you go, if you're looking for us on the internet, uh, we are at StarTrekMinute.com and we're on the social medias at Star Trek Minute on Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, try to be active on all those, so definitely take a peek. Um, and yeah, we'll be back again on Friday with Scott talking about minute 93 of the search for Spock here at Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.